0: And welcome to another episode of the Building Betterment podcast from Life Builders, the show where we aim to provide you with education, entertainment, encouragement, and enlightenment to help you live for Jesus in the kingdom, in the family, and In the community. Now in this episode we have a dear friend of mine, a dear brother and a former pastor of mine Bishop Barrington Mullings. Barrington currently presides over a group of churches on the Manchester district in New Testament Church of God and we recently caught up to have a chat about his recently published book, Capacity Expansion and Development. Now if you are serious about personal growth and development and You want to better serve those in your care, whether that is in the church, in business, in the family, or in the community. This is a conversation you do not want to miss. So without any further ado, let's go. Okay, so welcome to everybody. We are uh, on our very first book review, and uh, it's with a... A dear friend of mine, my uh, former pastor, Reverend Barrington Mullins. And um, I'm yeah really pleased to be able to meet you again, uh, albeit virtually, uh, after so long. But uh, Pastor, it's, uh, it's good to see you. And um, it's a great privilege to be able to, um, I guess, dip into this book and um, share with all the listeners what the book's all about but um, before we kind of look at the book itself some people may not know you or where you're from or anything about you can you tell our listeners a little bit about Barrington Monlins? Who who is Barrington Mullins?
1: Thank you so very much my dear brother Juni it's a delight to be on this uh, platform with you um, I am quite pleased that God has blessed us and have taken our lives full circle so to speak um, we are working together in Erdington for five years and then me traveling to Manchester. And now you are here interviewing me um, on the publication of my very first book. Really do appreciate. In response to the question about who, who is Barrington Mullins? Um, historically, um, I would say Barrington Mullins is the son of Joyce Louise Leckie Mullins and Alfonso mm-hmm. Leifert Mullins. Um, I am one of 11 children that was born in Highgate, St. Mary, Jamaica, and uh, I was brought up in, in school lane in, um, in Highgate for the very first seven years of my life, then lived in Fraserwood Drive, then to Hopewell, a place that they call Capchalan. Um, mm-hmm. which, according to many people, nothing good comes from that particular place um quite often i think about my history and i think about um what was said um by philip concerning jesus christ when he was told that um that they have found the messiah and he is from nazareth and the question was asked mm. can any good thing come out of nazareth yeah um i suppose that was one of the slogans that came out of the experience of the community in which i was brought up um, in my latter life um teenage life and got saved while i was living there um and, you know, I've been a part of the Church of God since I was 18 years old. Um, spent the first four years of my life serving in the church back there in Highgate in St. Mary. Then, by the grace of God, I was admitted to Bethel Bible College, where I did a diploma in theology for three years. Served um, as pastor of the Merrywood and the Mul- Mulgrave Church for three years. Um, That was between 1989 and 1992. And in 92, I migrated to the United Kingdom to come and marry my longtime pen friend, Maxine Brown from the Hansworth Church, who is now Maxine Mullings, praise be to God. Um, Uh But when I came, I got the conviction that I needed to be here. And uh, in the will of the Lord, I remain. And so that's my kind of a quick whistle tour through um, my birth and my teenage life, and my early ministry back in Jamaica, and currently here in um, the UK, um, serving as district overseer for the Manchester District of the New Testament Church of God.
0: Excellent, excellent. Yeah, definitely a, a, a quick whistle stop, whistle stop tour. <laughs> That's great. So, um, coming to the, the the book, then I know when we spoke a few weeks back, um, you, you shared with me, and I believe this is also reflected in, in the book as well. You shared with me what led you to writing the book. It, it appears it's it's not something that you had necessarily been planning to do, but uh, God would have it that circumstances came a, a around whereby um, you felt God was now saying, look, it's time. Uh, could you share a little bit about, about that? Yes.
1: Um, interestingly, I've, Always been doing some writing. As a matter of fact, I have I think about three or four manuscripts nearly finished. Um, one is what 95% finished. All I was doing was writing the conclude um the introduction, um, in the introductory chapter um to that when this conviction came up on my heart, and then I laid that aside just to give focus attention to this. Um I've been motivated by a number of reasons to actually write this book, but primarily the timing was just right in um, 2018 while I was in Ghana on mission, um, serving with the Church of God in Ghana. And it was while coming to the end of that period of mission in a prayer that was prayed over our lives, concerning our travel from the middle of the country, which is Kumasi, to the city of Accra, where the airport is, where we would have taken our flight back to the UK. And it was while the national overseer was praying for us that this great conviction came upon my heart about reflecting on capacity expansion and development. It was kind of a uh, mm-hmm. premonition in a sense, say or divine revelation I would more say because the actual theme itself was so pronounced in my mind it wasn't something that I had to consider later on Mm -hmm. it was so direct and I, I, I made a note of it on my notepad that I had with me at the time and before that day came to an end I had confirmation Um, through a book I purchased um, in Kumasi that very same afternoon um, from John Maxwell entitled, Blow the Top of Your Potential. Uh, And that was a kind of a wake-up call for me in a sense. And at the time, I was really, really physically and mentally tired from the intense ministry that we were involved in for over two weeks. Um, So all Mm -hmm. I wanted to do was sleep. But the conviction was so strong upon my heart that I started writing from I was in that bus traveling to from Kumasi to Accra in my, on my notepad, just jotting down all the thoughts that were just racing through my mind. And when I got to Accra, I spent the next eight hours working through from about um, eight o'clock that evening to about four o'clock the following morning, Mm -hmm. just writing the initial convictions that were on my heart. And as a matter of fact, I think half the work was done in that very same instant. Um, But when I returned to the UK, I became a bit unwell with depression. So I just laid it aside. And it was just last year that I really picked it back up. But in truth, um, I have had the privilege of working in Jamaica, here in the UK and also in Africa. I have had the privilege of also visiting the United States and spending time with a number of different ministers. Some of the things I discovered have really provoked me. Mm -hmm. One, that many persons who have come into the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ um, have a sense of entitlement about being in the ministry and make great demands upon the people that God has called us to serve. I believe I would, the appropriate term that I would use to express that is that um, the gospel is merchandised and the people of God are exploited. People have attached, if you like, financial gifts to praying for people who are sick. So therefore, many people who are sick do not come into prayer line because they do not have the money to exchange for the prayer that they hope would actually bring them to a place of healing. That does really distress me. Um, Sometimes I've seen attitude where individuals have been ordained to serve in a particular local church and they believe that their ordination means the end of their development and the end of their growth, that they do not need to apply themselves to additional course of study so as to better able to deliver their ministry to the people of God. So they demonstrate a sense of what I call spiritual stagnation. Um, which has greatly concerned me because I believe it's a very poor thing for any of us who have the call of God upon our lives to treat the ministry and to treat the call of God with this kind of, um, I would use the term, disdain, because that's what it is when you really look at it for what it is, and and therefore shortchange the people of God so that we are not able to... Um, Bring a ministry that allow the people that we serve to develop and to grow and to become stronger and more able um, servants of grace within their own homes, within the places where they are employed, and also within the Church of Jesus Christ. And I have also seen a third thing um, that have really distressed me, and that is with Church of God in particular that many of our young gifted brothers and sisters have gone to other church communities to actually find their ministry and to be doing excellently. I praise God for that because um, they haven't gone back to the world, but they have gone somewhere else. And I believe that the church of God here in the UK and also in Ghana in particular could be far much more greater if the focus was different when it comes to um, scholarship development and all that that comes with. Because if we have a greater ability to deliver a greater service, then I believe that there will be a greater outcome for our people and for the church on a whole. So these have been some of the underlying motivations for Mm. the composition of this book.
0: Yeah. So you've titled the... Thank you very much for that. You've titled the book... Uh, capacity sorry capacity expansion and development so just to um get that clear in my mind because I, I think at first i was looking at this as three things well although it can be three things it, am i right in saying capacity expansion is one thing you're looking at although you can break that that up into two elements but you're looking at capacity expansion as a, a thing and development is that um. is that correct
1: in terms of phrasing. Okay. I marry them. Um, it is it is not a toss solid, but it is um it is one glorious um vision as to how we as people of God, I believe, um, should give um focus attention to um what we are involved in, in ministry. And I'll explain it this way as I've explained in the book: that all of us are blessed with. A particular capacity by the Lord. Mm-hmm. Every single person who has come into the body of Jesus Christ, not just individuals who are dubbed pastors and teachers and prophets and apostles, every one of us. So, one of mm-hmm. my key scripture passage um, that passages, one of the key scripture passages that I tend to focus on, is First Peter chapter four, verse nine through verse eleven, that says that we should be hospitable to one another. And that we should minister the gift that God has given to us as a, um, good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, this particular scripture is not focusing upon apostles and prophets, but is looking on the entire community of believers. Whether we clean the church or whether uh, we, we cut the yard or whether we our key ministry is within the kitchen of the church or so forth, it does not matter. We have something from God that he has given to us to contribute towards uh, the full development of the membership yeah okay so therefore that's the capacity the expansion of that capacity now is the, one of the key drivers here around in in this book because many people receive a gift but then th- that gift have never expanded There is, as as, as the parable of the talent um, speaks to us about, they receive five, they give five back to the Lord. They receive one, they give one back to the Lord. There's no increase. There's no maximization Mm -hmm. upon that which they have. Any any time of the year you call upon such persons, they are not able to deliver more than X because there is no growth. There is no development. The testimonies are the same. um, There's nothing new that is happening to them, which is inconsistent Mm -hmm. with the call of God. Because we are praying people and each time we come to the Lord in prayer, I believe that it provides an opportunity for us to be maximized through our intimate fellowshipping with him and also through the answers that he provides to the questions or the needs that we present before him. So we're getting something from God. So we're not remaining at a static place at all because our call is dynamic. And the working of the spirit in our lives is also dynamic. We are on an expansive mission because there are deeper depths and higher heights in Christ. So therefore there should be that progression in life and ministry. So therefore the expansion aspect here is more than the accumulation of information. And I paired um, expansion with development because yeah. the expansion speaks about growth um, in expertise or increase in knowledge our acquisition of new skills. But quite often, individuals can expand in knowledge because if you have a BA, you could do a master's, you could do a PhD, that's a whole load of information that you're gathering there. But quite often, people have this information, but there is no development in relation to character change and transformation, okay? So while our minds expand with information and ideas, but in our character we are even less like Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the, the drive here is to allow my brothers and sisters who are involved within the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, not just to grow in our acquisition of information, but also to begin to offer demonstration um, in terms of our own deportment, in terms of our own behavior, in terms of our own self-management, in terms of the management of power, in terms of how we regulate the relationships that we share in with other brothers and sisters, whether or not they're university graduates, so that at least, we are propelling them to become far much more greater than they are as yeah. members of the body of our lord jesus christ so therefore in the book i separated and defined each of these separate um these con- uh, concepts differently expansion yeah. and development just to show that there are two levels of operations going on here and that they need to be in sync because we can't be top heavy where we have a lot of information, but there is no demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God um, in love and service and compassion to the wider community. Hence the theme, capacity, expansion and development.
0: Excellent, excellent. Uh, Obviously I don't want to, um, I I guess give too much of a spoiler because we obviously want people to purchase the book. But um, what I found interesting, one section where you used Abraham as um, almost like a case study um, and uh, the, the bit that jumped out to me was um, you talked about uh, ch- uh, change. Um, I don't know if you remember that if you could talk a little bit about change when it comes to, um, I think this is where you talk about expansion, I believe. Uh, it was in Chapter 2, I remember that bit. <laughs>
1: okay. I I felt impressed to use Abraham as a case study, and in that aspect of the book, I use, um, I titled it Change Model, or Model for Change, using Abraham as a case study, just to show the different dimension of transformation that he underwent in his dealings with God. Yeah. Um, yeah. As a man, but also as a, a husband, as a minister Mm -hmm. um because god has called him as a husband but he was not yet a father and through god's dealings with him he had gone through a series of what i perceive in that in in those portions of scripture in the book of genesis a series of transformational experiences Um, at the point where he first received the revelation that he needed to uproot from earth the Chaldees, and then to go to this land that god would show him mm-hmm. and while he was en route to that land god gave him additional revelation that he would be a father at a point where he was distressed in his mind about what was going to happen to his estate because elizar was the chief um, servant in his house and he was fearful that he would have died and eliza would have inherited all that he has accumulated because he didn't have a son of his own and so forth all of these experiences that Abraham had gone through, I have recognized that some degree of change occurred in his mentality, in his attitude and behavior toward God, in his attitude and behavior towards life circumstances, in his attitude and behavior towards other people. So from leaving Earth the Chaldees as a, as a husbandman, basically, without father. He had now become not just a father, but he has now become an intercessor for nations because at mm-hmm. the point where the angel are about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham was here, was no longer focusing upon his own affairs and considering whether or not he would die and leave his legacy to a complete stranger. But Abraham's focus was now moved from being an insulated focus to be an expansive focus whereby the world became his concern and not so much his household. That he was no longer crying before God about um, his legacy as a man, but he was now crying before God on the behalf of nations, asking God to show mercy and grace. So in that when you move from Genesis chapter um, 12 through to Genesis chapter 18, where the experience of Abraham interceding on the behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah um, before the presence of the Lord, we can see a man who has undergone a series of transformational experience. Hallelujah. I'm I'm getting excited. talking, (laughs) Talking about this man, glory be to God. And every single experience that he had, whether they might be perceived negative or positive god has used those experiences to bring about changes at different aspects of the man's life in his mentality in his in his vision in his behavior in his treatment of things and people fascinating
0: yeah yeah definitely i i love abraham and um the song which he brought out in in the book in regards to his character and, and uh, but i guess that's the word of god there's always deeper depths And always more you you find out, and um, I I found that aspect of the book really uh, exciting um, and informative. There's a there's a bit that jumped out to me later. I don't don't remember which chapter this is, but it was just a little bit that you you spoke about, and I thought it was quite um, interesting, but also extremely important. And you, uh, you stated that self control and temperance are important because without these two things, Um, it's inevitable, or almost inevitable, that abuse of power um, and gifts will will take place. And I thought that was really interesting, simply because um, I think oftentimes when we think about change and development, I've never really thought about this element of self-control and temperance being actually important in that. But after sitting down and reading that bit, I thought, well, it's true, because we can often have the giftings and the talents uh but not the experience or the knowledge to know how to use that can can you speak to that and explain a little bit more about um
1: okay what what that um, was about yes that's that's in um the, the 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 last chapter of the book that focused around um looking at the seven stage model that peter presents as yes, to how we yes. need to grow and develop um as as children of god um I have done uh, 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 MA research looking at sexual abuse and uh, within the context of the church, and that have brought me into a wide range of disturbing, distressing information, um, because it majority of the research that have that um, the papers that I've read came out of church communities such as. The Church of England, um, the Roman Catholic Church, the Methodist Church, um, there was nothing there about um, from the Pentecostal arm of of church operation, which quite often it is believed that Pentecostalism more um, resemble or accumulate African Caribbean people other than the high churches and so Mm -hmm. forth. And because of the scandals that have uh, marred these communities, um, they have undertaken a fair deal of research looking at the whole issue of ministers um, misbehaving themselves, misappropriating their gifts, because they lack um, a great deal, basically, of spiritual um, grace, despite the fact that they are called and they have spiritual gifts to prophesy to fulfill pastoral ministry, to sing, to play music, and so forth. But many children have suffered at their hands Mm -hmm. because they have abused them quite severely. And um, so when I did that piece of research, I was very, very uh, much aware of the fact that um, there is some degree of parallelism here with our own church operation because... Within our, within our church context, because supervision is so loose, basically, um, ministers quite often um, are at liberty in terms of their function and their operations. And quite often you hear many boastful statements are being made by many of our certified ministers about how they operate and manage their ministry, mm-hmm. because they are their own bosses and they are answerable to nobody, so to speak, because mm-hmm. God is the one who has called them. I learned that when I carried this piece, this piece of, uh, of research and the interviews that I've done with some of our ministers is that they are a danger to themselves and a danger to the church because they would oppose um, the experience of accountability. And if you are in opposition to accountable relationship, it means, therefore, then that there is no check and balance to find out whether or not I am managing my my power and my responsibility in an appropriate way. So, if if there's nobody that can call me and said, Barrington, we need to have a meeting, and we need to just talk about how you have been, how have you been, how have you been with the church that you have been pastoring, how are you with the members? How are you in your relationship with the opposite sex? I know you're a married man and so forth, but how are you with the relation with, in your relationship with the opposite sex? Um, how do you ensure that you safeguard yourself, you safeguard guard the gospel, and you safeguard the people that you work with? Because all of us are prone to make mistakes one time or another. Okay. We cannot say that we would never do X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm being placed in the appropriate context are being placed in a particular context, um, whatever mood we might be in, whatever is going on for us, we cannot give any guarantee what we would or would not do. So when we are aware that all of us are flawed and all of us have weaknesses, then taking a proactive stance by ensuring that we put in safeguarding measures for our own self-governance is the responsible thing to do. Mm. So in my experience in working with certain persons, I realize that that's not the way that they go forward. Okay, because they are their own bosses and they can right. do whatever they want to do and so forth. So it creates opportunity also for the exploitation of the weak and the vulnerable and mm. the exploitation of the office of trust in which we are placed and the exploitation of our own giftings and abilities. So critically, as you have raised those two points about self-control and and, and how vital that is for us as, as ministers and as members of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ because if we do not have that for ourselves, then we can become quite lethal in the church. Yeah. not to startle anyone, but a, a piece of the research that I come across um, this was done in, in West um, this came out of some work done in West Africa that we have men who are in the church in West Africa who believe that they are justified in being the first lover for their daughters. And they cite the story of Lot and his two daughters, as documented in Genesis, um, as the basis upon which they would want to practice such behavior. Because the, the research says if it was something that was ungodly. Abraham, sorry, God would have killed both Lot and his two daughters. And the mere fact that God did not bring judgment and destroy them, it means that it was an appropriate action that fathers could undertake. Well, no, That's the thinking. That's the mentality. Yeah. Okay. So when I came across that piece of research, it, it really frightened me. Mm-hmm. Seriously. That a father would believe that it's appropriate for him to, if you like, deflower his daughter. And, and and this was something that was acceptable, basically, in the sight of God. So, so these are some of the, the, the research that have really fueled me in a big way to actually push forward for some of the information that you are discovering here in this book. Mm-hmm. And to actually call upon all of us who are involved in the ministry of the Church of our Lord Jesus Christ to, um, to take a proactive stance where... Um, personal safeguarding is concerned, where the safeguarding of the ministry is concerned, where the safeguarding of the vulnerable are concerned, because there are many groups of people that are um, open to exploitation here, basically, because I realize that when the world gets negative information about the church, it creates a stumbling block when it comes to us presenting the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Because they are saying, you are inviting us to leave a world of sin, to come into a ch- church of sin. <laughs> Where's the logic?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Yes, sir? So... Self-control, I believe, is absolutely critical. And self-control is not just a gift, I believe, that we exercise in our own right as children of God, as we grow in knowledge and in consecration unto the Lord. But our fellow brothers and sisters can really help us to be self-controlled by virtue of the fact that we recognize that the relationship that we are sharing with them is is an accountable relationship. So they can also say, hey, how are you, Pastor Mullins? And I shouldn't believe it's inappropriate for um, the janitor to ask me how I am. Mm. How are you keeping, sir? How is the ministry going? These are ways in which to say that we are in the the gaze of our brothers and sisters. And just as though they are accountable to me as their pastor, I am also accountable to them as their pastor. OK, so this is how I see it and this is our understanding. And this is the message I'm seeking to actually press home to countless numbers of others through this book, um, Capacity, Expansion and Development.
0: Yes, yes. And um, as you're talking there, um, just at the end there, it just made me think about, um, I don't remember who I heard say this, that if you're not growing, you're dying. There always has to be uh, growth. Um and and coming to the, the book itself, um, from what you're saying, this is book. This book is for everybody because we all are part of the body of Christ, and we all need to be healthy and growing and developing um, and expanding. Um, so, who is this book for? Generally, is it were we were saying it is for absolutely, absolutely everybody, or would you say it's primarily for this set of people? But it's going to be helpful for everyone else.
1: Okay, that's a beautiful way to put it. It um, some of some of my readers who have um, provided um, citations so far says, this book is not just for ministers; it is for everybody.
0: Yeah,
1: this book is for men and women in the body of Jesus Christ. How I term the um, the audience I'm hoping that this book would reach is established and emerging leaders. Mm. And when I say established leaders, I'm not just simply speaking about men and women who are fulfilling pastoral responsibilities. I'm also talking about parents. I'm also talking about leaders of companies. Mm -hmm. I'm also talking about managers, any person who, who are operating in a position of influence over the lives of others. Yeah. And very much so those who are emerging. Yes, there are many people who are clamoring for the position of responsibility and power, Let me even take out the word responsibility. They're clamoring for the position of power, basically, (laughs) and not so much with a sense of understanding of the responsibility with which such power comes and to question whether or not um, their characters developed to that level whereby they can fully accept um, such power and manage such responsibility. So, Yes, the audience I am seeking to actually focus my thoughts as the Spirit impressed them upon my mind to share are established and emerging leaders. If every single pastor in Church of God and outside of the realm of Church of God could um, get this book in their hand, I honestly believe that they would find something in there that would benefit them. It might be. A note of reminder concerning certain important um, things that God has already laid out for them in their in, in their life at, at the point where he called them from the world of sin and into his ministry. It could be that it might be something completely new that they are being introduced to because... Um, A couple of people had said to me that the subchapter that I focus attention on about ministerial supervision, that this is completely new to them because in their line of work as pastors, nothing like this happens. And sometimes um, if a senior leader is addressing them, you know clearly well that you are um, a subordinate being addressed by your superior, so to speak. There's not that sense of humility Um, To to say basically, um, although I am a bishop and you are not, I do not have a sense of entitlement um, over you, so to speak, to make demands upon you. But when we come together to share in conversation, whether it's a supervision or it's just even as we're here talking, basically, because I'm seeing this as a developmental opportunity for both of us. Yes the questions that you are presenting to me here are provoking me to reflect again, not so much on what is documented in the book, but also from the core of who I am. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm not benefiting from this and therefore then being a position, an improved position to actually serve the community that I'm called to, then I believe I'm failing and I'm failing quite miserably. And it means therefore then that I'm also underestimating you as a brother And the the inquiries and the questions that you're actually raising here for me. And it's not for me to take any of that for granted, but it's Mm -hmm. for me to really listen carefully and to give appropriate responses to the questions that you raise in hope that you are benefiting from that which is coming from me as much as I'm being benefited from the provocation that you're causing me to rethink, um, not just what I've written, but rethink what's going on for me right now as, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as a husband to my wife and as a father to my children, basically that's the level of provocation that I find myself into right at this time, as I'm sitting here speaking with you. So I am hoping that by the grace of God, that all who come to this book would be able to find something that would benefit them. Um, in particular that the book, um, Provide some what people would call theories, some kind of uh, arguments being presented, and so forth. But it comes with um, a series of questions at the end of each chapter that um, kind of give the reader um, the opportunity to reflect on themselves in light of that which is documented. So, in this regard, it's a it's a workbook.
0: Yeah, you you jumped into my next question actually because I was going to I was just about to say that. Um... That's one of the first things that um, jumped out to me when I, I was looking through the first chapter and got to the end and I thought, hmm, okay. Because I, I remember, I think there's probably only, I think there's probably about only two other books I, I've read. I mean, I'm sure there's many, many others that, that do this, but there's only two other books I've um, read where they actually will, I call it kind of challenge you at the end of the chapter just to review what you've read, have you understood, and also to challenge you to write down your thoughts about it. So as soon as I saw that, I thought, okay, this isn't just a book to read. And as you said before, not just to gather knowledge, but it's also going to challenge you in the reading of the book, and it challenge you to uh, begin to um, express and um, challenge you to to rethink and reflect on what you're reading and what you've read. Um, so my question was, in, in regards to that, um, why did you do that and why did you think it was important for that to be, because you've done that at the end of each chapter, why, why do you think it was so important for that to be um, an integral part of the way the book was put together?
1: Okay. The kind of work I'm involved in, particularly in West Africa, um, I come across a number of people who do not have access to theological education and as a result whenever i do go each year to uh, manage a series of seminars with them I take as much material as i possibly can um, to help them because they are called but they need training they need to be developed they need information they need knowledge so that they're in a better position to support the people that they are called to serve yeah. so therefore The the conviction came up on my heart about providing a series of questions. I suppose I was marrying two things here. The the production of this book, along with um, the seminar approach that I would take whenever I go to deliver ministry at that part of the world.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So there'll be a series of questions that are set. Once I have given information out, I ask persons to reflect upon that information and to document those reflections, um, to write them down. So in this regard, I am hoping that they would begin to keep tab on themselves to provide information that they can later go back to, to see the extent to which they have grown over a period of time. Mm-hmm. Because, what's sort of a reflection that they have um, provided here might highlight certain challenges that they are experiencing, how they perceive those challenges, the strategies that they believe are important for them to administer in managing those challenges, and um, key um, individuals in their lives that they believe that they could identify to be a buffer and a sounding board, or a confidant, or a conversational partner. Um, through whom they'll be able to gain deeper insight about these things and so forth. So in that regard, uh, so in in one regard, it is meeting that need. And another need I believe it is meeting is to help them to actually begin now to construct templates that they can use in supporting the members of the congregation that they are working with. Right. So this tool has um, a two-dimensional approach. One, as I said, it is for their own reflection. But as they are going through this, they are now beginning to cultivate those skills that they'll be able now to implement in their own dealings with the members of the congregation that they serve. So these are some of the underpinning um, reasons for actually um, designing the book in this way.
0: Excellent, excellent. So, um, uh, Capacity, Expansion and Development. This is, uh, as we mentioned before, it's a book for, for everybody. Um, primarily written, like you say, audience for leaders and emerging leaders. But the, and I, as I mentioned to you earlier, before we were recording, um, when I was reading elements of the book, uh, so I, I described it as very rich in, in content um in the positive sense very rich in terms of there's so much information in there that, for me i'm the kind of person that i mentioned before i like to dip in and out of a, of a book and I, I think yeah once um and we'll talk a little bit about how people can get hold of the book once i've got the book for myself rather than the, the manuscripts uh, i will purchase one pastor um once i've got the book i know it's one of those ones that i will be dipping in in and out of, um, not just for learning, but for reference and and reflection. Um, So how can people get hold of Capacity, Expansion, Development, the book? uh, And in what formats is it going to be available?
1: Okay, thank you, my brother. I I can say with gladness of heart <laughs> that the book is now available um, to be purchased at a, a number of, uh, of, of, of places. Some I do not have the full information on because the publishers who are author house um, mm-hmm. basically um, are negotiating some deals with different um, booksellers. Um, okay. concerning the book. But those that mm-hmm. are not available at this time are Barnes and Nobles. Um, it's available at on um on
0: Amazon.com.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it is also available um, at the Brookses Bar Church because we are also trading in the book, basically. Um, the, the the proceeds for for the book, the entire proceeds for, from the book goes towards our church's building program. I felt a conviction when I wrote this book that it was supposed to be um, my first fruits to the Lord. Right. And the work that we're doing here in Brooks' Bar, we're seeking to raise 3.2 million pounds for the modernization and rebuilding of aspects of the, the Brooks' Bar Congregate um, edifice, that is.
0: Yeah. And
1: I, I felt impressed that um, while this book offers critical information for the development of all in the body of our Lord Jesus Christ that the proceeds that come from it um, should go towards this project um, for the glory of God. So, yes, and let me repeat just for emphasis. Yes. Um, um, Amazon. um,
0: Barnes & Noble.
1: Barnes & Noble. Bar. New Testament Church of God. And, well, that's... those are the outlets at the, at, the, at the current moment. But there are yeah. others, but I do not know of them yet because I have not received that information from the from the publishers.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you get the information, let us know because we will um, you know, help to promote that as much as we were able to. So uh, again, for those that are listening or I will be watching this, uh barnes and noble certainly the moment of this recording barnes and noble amazon is it available on kindle as a soft
1: yes i was just about to but i didn't want to interrupt you because that was a part of the question yes it's in hardback and it's also on kindle there's a special um feature going out um from kindle as of last week um last week thursday and it's run for the remained for the next 30 days. Um, yeah. The Kindle version is available at $3.99. Mm-hmm. And if persons are able to obtain that and submit a review, it will also help with, with this promotion. And the, the paperback is um, retailed at 1095.
0: Okay, excellent, excellent. So I'd encourage everybody to, to get a copy, even if you're not going to read it, buy it and give it to somebody. Um, so that's uh, Capacity, Expansion and Development, written by Bishop Barrington Mullins. Uh, available, as we say it again, Barnes and Noble, Amazon.com, both as a hard copy and as a soft copy. And, uh, there will be other outlets available. Um, Pastor will let us know and, uh, we will obviously make that information known on our website. Um, and lastly, before we forget, if you are local to Manchester, you can visit the New Testament Church of God in Brooks Bar, Manchester and purchase a copy from them. Um, yeah um pastor thank you so much for your time um it's uh, i think a first for both of us my my first book review and um your first book yes or <laughs> well, published book at least anyway and uh, i hope it's not the last i'm sure it won't be the last uh, one of many
1: by the grace of god um i've felt a little bit pressured by the publishers because they want me to submit Um, at least one further title that i'm currently working on okay Um, i'm I'm not going to do it at the moment i'll just i'll just hang fire a little and just try and reflect upon this process and just recall all the different lessons that um are important for me to learn because there's been a real um challenging time definitely with the different reviews i have to write different stuff and uh, reflect on different stuff and edit different stuff and so forth Mm. it has been and then financially um but but praise be to god it's a sacrifice that i i I would make again if i had known before the start of the process that it would have taken so much um just to benefit one soul i believe it's it's worth it all so i am truly, truly thankful for the opportunity that you have offered to me to be with you on this um, program, just to speak about God's love, mercy, and the privilege that he has granted to me to to, to write this book, Capacity, Expansion, and Development.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much, Pastor.
1: Thank you. Excellent.
0: I thoroughly enjoyed catching up with Bishop Mullings. I've got to say, after ministering with him in my local church for around five years, I believe it was probably between 2003 and 2008, his family and himself, they've all got a special place in my heart. That being said, after the recording, we had a short conversation and it transpires that while you can currently purchase the book on Amazon and through Barnes & Noble, if you purchase directly through the church, a significantly greater amount of the profit goes to the fundraising drive. So I would say, if you are not in a desperate rush to get the book, although I'm I assuming many of you are, what I mean by that is Amazon obviously will sometimes deliver the same day or next day. But if you can wait maybe two days minimum, then why not contact the church directly more of the money you pay will go to the fundraising drive. You can contact the church on 0161 That's 0161 26 Or you can drop them an email. NTCG Brooksbar at btconnect.com. That's NTCG November Tango Charlie Golf Brooks Bar at btconnect.com I will put all this information in the show notes so those of you that are listening to the podcast you can go to the show notes and find this information. So capacity, expansion and development please do support our dear brother Bishop Barrington Mullins in this his uh, first published book, one of many more to come I hope and uh, as I say you can purchase through Amazon all through Barnes & Noble, and you can purchase directly from the church. If you do it directly from the church, then more of the profits will actually go to their fundraising drive. So do bear that in mind. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you have enjoyed this particular episode and look forward to speaking to you again soon. You've been listening to the Building Better Men podcast from Life Builders. In each episode, we bring to you information that you can use as a tool to help you make a positive impact in the kingdom, in the family, and in the community. To find out more about Life Builders, you can visit us at lifebuilders.org.uk send us an email lifebuilders at ntcg.org.uk and we're on the social media channels you can find us on twitter and instagram using the handle at LifeBuildersUK, and on facebook by searching for lifebuilders if you want to be one of the first to find out new information why not join us on telegram t.me forward slash lifebuilders be encouraged be inspired be better